Hello and welcome to the Luxury Lounge. That's right, every Thursday we head in the lounge, we shut the door and we air our grievances with the world and there's no grievance that's too big or too small or too frivolous it's your grievance so it is a problem and it shall be heard and i want to thank you for listening to luxury lounge i love doing this podcast i love that you guys enjoy it keep on sharing it with friends and coworkers and brothers and sisters you might hear a problem today that someone came to you with and you go, oh my God, I got to share these two hilarious comedians talking about the the same exact thing we were complaining about today. That should cue you in. There's, I have amazing emails, great complaints today. So if you hear something that relates to something you were talking about with a friend or a coworker or a brother or sister or mama or papa, anyone you talk to, send it along. Send that linky poo. And, and I'm on the road, people. To go to, you know, we're on the road. If you're listening in any of these places, assemble the group chat. Get the crew together. It's a fun night out. I mean, I'm putting up videos of stand-up. It's a, a, you know, I do stand-up, but I I like to talk to you, the the peasants, the listeners, while I'm on stage. I'll do some improv, some, some slight crowd work you know it's a fun experience a live nothing like a live show you get drinks you get entertained you go home you talk about the acts you say you get to judge what a fun night so if you're in irvine california i'm there this weekend then i'm coming to indianapolis spokane oklahoma city dublin belfast london copenhagen amsterdam berlin oslo Nashville, Tennessee. So all those great cities around this great globe of ours. JaredFreed.com for tickets. JaredFreed.com to get the tickets for the show. Now, we're here in the lounge. Uh, I'm very excited. Today's guest, hilarious comedian. Uh, They've been on the J Train podcast before, but it's their first time in the lounge. The hilarious Claire Parker. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to be here and talk about my, like, pathetic little problems <laughs> they're not you listen let's let's uh, I, 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 we they're not pathetic they are Thank real you. problems we live in a world today where we're too, doesn't it feel like we're too aware like i don't need to know about the horrific atrocities across this world because i there's nothing i can do so i feel helpless and like and and, and like a jerk when i have my own issues that i really just get a you know that annoy me and i want to get you it, this is self-love this is mental health right i i go to my therapist and i'm like and i'm so sorry i know that this is so so privileged of me to even complain about it. and i'm like i'm paying her honestly right. out that wazoo to complain and i'm still apologizing there has to be a safe space <laughs> right you're taking up your own time too they're like uh that's a minute of you apologizing yeah. good i don't that have to listen you, then that costs you ten dollars to acknowledge that right. uh <laughs> this next thing that you're paying fifty dollars to complain about isn't that big of a deal so <laughs> right and it's like it is a big deal to you and that's okay well yeah. l- listen i i love that you're back on the you know in the j train universe everyone needs to go follow claire at claire the scare on instagram she is the co-host of celebrity memoir book club um and we just had um Actually, your co- we had yeah. ashley on ashley was fantastic she was on monday's episode so this is a double dose of celebrity memoir book club and ashley explained it um you explained the show again and i asked her a couple questions i want to ask you what's your favorite celebrity memoir that you ever discussed 
So that's the thing is it's funny when people are like, well, what makes a great celebrity memoir? That is different than what makes a great episode. Like great mm. memoirs are like Danny Trejo, Elvira. We just said Cicely Tyson. And like those are incredible lives that you live and you reflect and you're inspired. But that's not right. necessarily like the ones that get us laughing. You know what I mean? Like right, watching right. Summer, someone overcome poverty. Like Viola Davis's childhood was so horrific and she has come through so much and become so successful. And you're like, wow. But that's not like funny. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? That, as, a, <laughs> as a comedian, I love to laugh. So uh, give me an empty headed bitch. And I know that's misogynist. Right. You sh- you're not allowed to say that. But a Danielle Bernstein. We got the selling sunset ladies. The people so, who cash grab it. So I'm sorry to interrupt. I want to no, I want to stop you for two seconds because you're right. This is the difference between art house movie and roadhouse. Like yeah. you want to make fun of the the round, you know, the, the the roundhouse kick that they do on the movie that like didn't hit the person in the face, and you can see, you know, you want to with a podcast, especially when you're discussing something. Like, yeah, it's nice to talk about Viola Davis's life, and I'm sure it's amazing, and it's quite a read, and it brings you to a place, and you appreciate the person more. But I totally agree. It's why I love reality TV. I want to look at yes. it and watch it and yell at it and and say what I would have done or what I wouldn't have done. No, no, the, the the ones you just named. So selling sunset people, and you said it's a cash grab. Is it, can, yeah. can you tell while reading these books that they oh, are 100%. like- 100%. And so something right. that memoirs are really big right now. And I think, I mean, the publishing industry is dying. I think nobody really knows what to do next. And then I definitely think the pandemic sped things up because all these people who used to be able to make money by being on TV or going on tour couldn't. So they're like, fuck, I guess now's the time to write my memoir, right? So we have all right. these memoirs coming out. And we call it like merch almost in the same way that Harry Styles has nail polish. Like that's not Mm -hmm. some, he's not going to the factory cooking up nail polish every day. This wasn't his passion. His passion wasn't, I need to make sure there's like a cobalt nail polish for men. Right. In the same way that Hannah Montana had backpacks at Target. Now you have a book and it's, it's very merchy. And so actually what we've heard the way they do it is the publisher will come to you and be like, Hey, have you ever thought about writing a memoir? And let me tell you something. If someone says, have you ever thought about writing a memoir? And your answer is no, don't then write a memoir. The amount of these people who will be like, I never thought about it, but sure. I could write a book. No, you freaking can't. So what they do is they'll send you an editor and or a write a ghostwriter. And I've heard the ghostwriter will follow you around for six hours. You do a six hour mega interview. Mm-hmm. They write the book. You get it back in three months and you sign off on all the edits and stuff. Like you just are like, yeah, it looks good. And so you can tell in these books that you're like, oh, 10 stories were told over the course of six hours. Cause you're like, here they are in the intro. Here they are. They each get one chapter and then they're in the conclusion. Like it's the same thing over and over. There's just like not a lot to work with. Right. Well, you know, and it's interesting is like, um, and it's, first of all, it's two to tango. You have mm-hmm. the publishing industry, which I'm sure is made up of fabulous writers and people who read and love the English language that are like, oh, my God, we have to keep the roof over our head. Mm-hmm. We have to sell books. And who do we who, who will jump off the shelf? You know, people, exactly. They, they, and so it, it is like a, it is a it's an amazing form of capitalism. You know, like yeah. everyone has given into it. And then you have the people on the other side of it. You have the selling sunset. I'll use them as an example that they're, you know, they're like, I got to make money one. Mm-hmm. And then they're also a little bit ego filled and, and, and I going, mean, oh, I have a pretty good life. I got a story to tell. And I think more than that, being a writer has kind of like this connotation of something smart and intellectual. And like, they're all striving to be elevated. a New York Times bestseller selling author. And that is like, 
if you're just a reality TV star, if you can add that to your resume, I, I was a right. best-selling New York Times best-selling author. Like that is incredible. That's insane that right. they can do that. And your so fans, it, it also like gives your fans a little bit of a badge of honor. Like I, I'll use a different example. Like when Kim Kardashian did SNL, yes, and then she did a great job. Her fans were like. It, it felt like she did a good deed. It felt like mm -hmm. she did a mitzvah because her fans now could go, I, yeah, I, you know, the husband who's like, oh, you love Kim Kardashian. Then the husband's laughing at her set on SNL. They go, yeah, that's a, that's a representation of me. So that's, I, I would think that the fans are like, look at author too. You know, this exactly. is a real person. Right. And also there's no better way to get your story out there in terms of like PR spin because you have people completely enveloped in your story from your perspective. And because then I think of like the credibility we lend an author, if it's right. in a book, it's like much more believable and serious than like a YouTube <laughs> vlog. So if someone's right. sitting there being like, why did I like, why did I spit in that girl's face on Real Housewives of the OC? Well, when I was a child, my parents got divorced and right. they always haunted. And like, you know, you can start drawing <laughs> they parallels. Go, and right. They go to the sing-songy voice. They go to yeah. soft. When I, as a child living with a gluten intolerance, you'll never understand the pain. Literally. Right. <laughs> so you mentioned a few names. So Danielle Bernstein, who's that? She is like one of the most hated influencers. I think she's We Wore What? Um, oh, you know I've heard girl? of her. Yeah. She is kind of notorious. She was like an early to the game fashion girly. She was one of the first that I think would just buy a shit ton of clothes, have a different outfit every day and then return it. And okay. so she she got a big following first, but people have turned on her. And I tell you, like she posts on TikTok. Every comment is like, get out of here. We hate you. I don't know how she really? to persevere, to be honest. Yeah. Well, what was I mean? So she was a so basically she did clothing hauls. She'd post them on Instagram, got a following for that. What's the book to write there? I mean, as I said, her parents got divorced. And I don't know if you ever considered that, but it's <laughs> That's so never happened to anyone. No, not in our generation specifically. <laughs> Nobody could understand. But it, it, I mean, you, you can listen to the episode, but there was not a lot to say that she also is famous famous for stealing small designers, specifically, specifically women of color. So she's really despised. She's also known for like photoshopping all of her photos and lying about it. So in the book, she's like, body positivity is really hard and, you know, people judge me, but I just want to be proud of my body. And it's like, okay, well, you edit all of your photos. Right. She's just so, like, you know what I mean? She's it's just bad. So I guess with a lot, I guess she's an example of like the books that are the most fun to like kind of rip on because, you know, when you're telling your own story and I know this on a podcast. I can sound good yeah. or I can sound honest. And yeah. honesty, a lot of times, is a little icky. And I know with, like, dating advice, you know, when, when, I, when, when I do dating advice, when, I, when someone's, like, asked me about, like, we just did an episode, we taped an episode of You Up that'll either be out or not by this point, but we talked about all the... The, the the terms that are out there and mm -hmm. and you know there's like breadcrumbing and ghosting and then they had like a bunch that i had never even heard of and then yeah. we read the, the you know the definitions and you go and i'm like sitting there going done that done yeah. that you know and and i'm like and you know it comes with uh, which is why i love podcasting because you can hear in my voice like i'm not proud of it you know but i'm also going you know it, it these are all from human they come from a human place of like, yeah, I was afraid of this and afraid of that, you know, and all these and disappointment and all that. And you can do that on a podcast. When you're writing your own book, you have the choice to 
either go, yeah, I Photoshop. Like if Daniel Bernstein came out and was like, I Photoshop every single picture because I really have a problem with like, you know, I'm really kind of vain. If she said that, you'd be like, you wouldn't even make fun of. You go, oh wow, this is the this is the story I was looking to hear. But you, I guess she took the choice of not lying. Yeah, she's <laughs> right? lying. Oh God, can I stay with all of those phrases? I feel like the thing that everyone's trying to work around with all of these new definitions is just sometimes people don't like you back. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we the, the the ghosting thing is funny. One person's ghosting is another person's fizzle, you know, and like and then the fizzle means I just didn't care, you know. Yeah. So it, it it is, you know, and and that's the thing about like. You know, when you, these books, these celebrity memoir, and everyone should go listen to the podcast, Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Um, Ashley was on earlier this week. She was a fantastic guest. Go follow Claire at Claire the Scare. The, you know, these, if you, in these books, if you make yourself the, the son of divorce, you know, now people come to your, you, you ride the victim algorithm. Yeah. And the victim algorithm is, it, it hurts real victims. You know, like it, and it, you're, you're taking up space, and but it's also there's incentive and money to be had, and that's kind of what these people are doing with their books. We have to look at acknowledge the money, you know. Oh, I mean, Matthew Perry, I think, is such a good example of like the PR spin and the victimhood because Matthew Perry's whole thing is about addiction, and it is. He mm. and I'm my heart goes out to him, like, addiction is like a serious disease, and I understand. But in the addiction, when he's talking about the shit he did to other people, you can tell the like kind of pride he takes in the way he treated women like shit. And it is all through the book. He was such a misogynist. And we called him out on that. We were like, listen, I'm sorry that you struggled. We genuinely are. And like, right. God, but one, you can tell that he's not through it yet. Actually, in the middle of writing that book, I know he went back to rehab. So it's kind of dishonest for him to come out and be like, here I am on the other side of addiction when that's not true. But secondly, you know, he's like, yeah, and I was so fucked up. I would have sex with girls and then like kick them out immediately. And I would have fucked dirt and these women were whatever. And I'd sleep with them and leave and I didn't care. And you're just like, okay, but you can be an addict. And then on the other side, write about the horrible things you did without kind of coming off disrespectful. Right. Those there was no, there was no apology in that. Like, no, no. See, and people really came at us for being critical. Cause they were like, he's, he suffers with an addiction. How dare you take right. advantage of this poor man who like is being honest and vulnerable. I'm like, yeah, poor man. I think I got paid like $10 million to write that book. But well, also I'm like, you can be both. <laughs> right. You can be both. And you can write it in a way that's caring towards, and, and maybe has, you know, I guess has a little bit of like, you know, uh, apologetic, like, yeah. ah, I, I wish I had done better, which I, you know, it's funny because in this day and age, it's like apologize for nothing, you know, like that, that like if you apologize, then like, you know, some people see it as like, oh, well, then I've let the floodgates in on my yes. cancellation party, which is, e which is even dumber, you know, like I, I, but it is interesting, like to read the tone, like, cause all I know from the book, I, I haven't read the Matthew Perry book, but I just know the press tour. You know, yeah, and and that's all I know. Great. And I have to say, like with the apology, nobody was asking him to apologize because nobody knew what he had done. You look at a Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo didn't start acting until he was 40 years old. He had gone. Mm. He had been in jail for like a decade and he had suffered from he was like a heroin addict. He's been clean and sober his whole life. And when he looks back and talks about the things he's ashamed of, he does it like with remorse and compassion. Right. And and he never makes it about what he got away with. Do you know what I mean? Like there is a way, right. like if you used to treat people shitty cause you felt bad about yourself, that's like, we all have things that we regret. There's a right. way to be like, here's mistakes I made. I feel really bad. 
and talk about it from like that place of what I've learned and how I've grown. When you're like, oh yeah, I used to be like, I used to fuck all these girls. Like, um, for example, Tucker Max, I think is a good example right. of somebody who, when he writes about those experiences, he's glorifying and like, he's reveling in how shitty he treated people. There's right. a way to look back if you genuinely have remorse and talk about it and have learned from it. And that's not what Matthew Perry did. Well, so now my last question before we get to the emails, we're going to get to all the complaints. I got a complaint. Uh, Claire has brought her complaint. Um, and you can send in your emails, jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. Do you notice yourself consuming things differently based on memoirs you liked versus memoirs you didn't like? You mean like consuming like TV and stuff? Like, are you not going to watch Friends anymore? Do you look at no. Friends through a different, you'll never watch it again? No, I mean, I don't. It doesn't affect me. I kind of feel like. It doesn't I mean, affect you. I, I'm i trying to think who we've really hated. I think for the most part, I'm a pretty cynical person and I don't expect mm. anything from any celebrity man specifically. But right. I do believe if you are a successful, um, famous person, you're a psycho. Nobody gets to the height of this industry without having like a hole that is unfillable and being willing to do things that are like fucked up and having no sense of enough is enough. Like, and I think Ashley, that's like Ashley had the same response. We, yeah. we talked about this with Ashley on her on the episode that she did. Um, and, and I agree with that. Like, you know, we, and we got into like Meghan Markle, like, and like Meghan Markle, again, you know, in the kind of the Matthew Perry way, she kind of blocks off a lot of stuff because again, she's like entering a different world, American going to, uh, you know, woman of color going to, um, you know, the Royals who we all fucking hate. But it's like, I do believe like just listening to the snippets I've heard from Prince Harry, you're like, oh, this woman's a worker hustler. Like yeah. she knew she wanted to get to the top. Like, you know, the the way she DM'd him, the way, you know, and I'm not saying wrong, right. I'm just saying these people who will get to certain heights have this hustle in them that we don't want to believe exists because it's the arts and because mm -hmm. it's Hollywood. We want to believe that you were discovered. But you know, you go, no, no, no. The, and we have met these people in comedy that you're like, that's a worker bee. That is a worker bee. You and know? they're crazy. And they have they're like, a little you're crazy. Like, you're like, oh, in 30 years, you're still going to be this insane. It's not like, Absolute, oh, we're no. 20. Like, there are people that I'm like, oh, the pattern is there's no th amount of therapy that'll fix this for you. There's no amount of success. Like, you are fucked right. in the head. <laughs> people think this only exists in like a finance, like Wolf of Wall Street way. The Wolf of Wall Street exists in every industry. 100%. And, and the and, people and, at the top, right. they got there for a reason. Right. So let's get to the emails. So happy to have okay. you. Everyone go listen to Celebrity Memoir Book Club at Claire the Scare. Uh, JTrainPodcast at gmail.com. Let's go to the lounge. Before we do, we are sponsored people. We're going to take a break to talk about Diet Smoke. Diet Smoke makes federally legal premium THC products delivered right to your door. With so much THC variety, there's a Diet Smoke product for everyone. With melatonin blends for sleep and caffeine blends for on the move, elevate any vibe with Diet Smoke. Here's what I love about Diet Smoke. I am not a I am not a um weed smoker. I'm I'm a drinker. I would choose alcohol over weed. But what I will say I love that this is smoking. This is THC for beginners. It, even Us Weekly just named Diet Smoke's Delta 8 gummies as 
best for beginners. I love that because I want to be introduced to that world. I don't want to go waltzing into the world of THC and get my mind blown out. No, no, no. I want a little ease into the waters. That's where Diet Smoke comes in. If you're an advanced player, experienced users love the Delta 9 high for when they still want to function but can't melt into the couch. So there's all different versions. I love that they have a menu. If you're ready for that perfect high, head to over to dietsmoke.com. Use code JTRAIN for 20% off your first order. That's a lot of money, 20%. That's 20% off with code JTRAIN at dietsmoke.com or click the link in the uh, description, Diet Smoke, the beautifully balanced buzz. I'm all about that. Love that for you. Okay, let's get to, uh, let's get to my complaint. I, uh, hit the music. Jared, he has some problems. Jared, he's got some issues to do. Get off his chest right now. Jared has a lot of issues. Jared has a issue with a lot of things that we can discuss. Can you relate to the problem now? Okay. Claire, here's my complaint. It's going to be short. I, I, I don't... I'm, I'm, I, it, it, and it comes from a place of fear. Okay? Have you heard of chat GPT? Yes. Of course, I'm in the world. I'm on Twitter. So, right, you're on Twitter. You understand. So, ChatGPT seems to be this AI software that it you, you can ask it any question, and it'll come back, and it's getting very popular very quickly. And my problem is, everyone I talk to about it, the end of the conversation, the end, it ends with "we're doomed." Like, not one person has, has talked to me about this AI software and had a positive reason. For why would we be entering into this world? And it seems as though the people that we trusted to create social media that doesn't make us feel great. I don't think any of us are like ecstatic about how social media is run or what it does to our brains or how we're affected by it. But the same people who created that were just trusting them to take over the AI software. Why isn't there anyone being like, hey, let's get this? And it seems no one is willing to stop it. No one's willing to like have a level head about it. No one's looking to like make any. We just all, everyone I talk to about it, and I don't know if you've had these conversations too, they're just like, we're doomed. And we all kind of laugh and we chuckle and go back to Instagram. And it's like, no one has an issue here. No one's going to say like, we need to like stop this. We need to get some, you know, bring these people, get the nerds off of the wheel and maybe put like, let's put some like jocks on the wheel or just someone in charge that I can trust that like, where's the head of the jocks? <laughs> someone. The captain of the lacrosse team. That's who has justice at the top of his mind. Uh, that's who I, I, I actually trust them more because I think they can do less. I don't <laughs> like, I, I think these nerds. Or just at the, the wheel order as it was. Here's my thing, dude. Sure. I know exactly what you mean. Everybody's like, there's a hand coming for our neck. And I'm like, it's our hand. Just stop. Right. Am I just the stop. Person who saw iRobot? When people talk about like making AI better and better, I'm like, Will Smith warned us. We all right. know what's coming. I saw that movie. I took it to heart. I was just like, what? okay. 
No more well, robots. Right. And like, who's the, where's the one person that's like, no, 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 wait a minute. It's going to cure cancer. Like, you know, like no one ever, you never have that. I never have had, I haven't had one positive conversation about it. So we're guess, just. It's like high schoolers don't have to write essays anymore, right? There's a bunch right, of like 12 year olds who are like, I'm never learning my multiplication tables now. <laughs> right. That's the only one that's helping. I don't need to, uh, fuck that kid. I had to do it. He can do it too. I do feel like the fear mongering around chat GBT. I don't, I don't know. I don't buy it. I like you make, you're actually, your, your response right now is actually calming me. Well, like, everybody's like your job's going first. And I'm like, what do you think people like about me? Do you think they like my robotic, perfect knowledge? They know they like that. I'm a fucking idiot. I say words right. wrong every day and people love that specifically. I like, good point. I can prove that they're not going to take our jobs. Cause look at what I do for a living. I'm taking right. books that are, are already on tape like you can get the audiobook of literally right. any book that i've read and listen to it for yourself and they don't for some reason they'd rather hear me and ashley give our hot takes on it and i think as long as you're in a creative field you're good to go because i like you your chat gbt your brain you know what i mean right. like that's what's unique about you and i think that people i think people underestimate like how much they crave humanity and like mm -hmm. even if you look at TikTok and like why TikTok has taken over the whole like slice of life, life authenticity, like people like that it's just you holding your phone, being mm -hmm. in your bedroom. Like people do crave that, and especially if anything, the more that ChatGPT and working from home and being isolated like puts us in our houses alone in our rooms. I think you're gonna you're not gonna have friends anymore. That's true. Nobody's gonna have a friend in ten right. years, but you will have podcasters that are like as close <laughs> as you get to friends. If anything, we're working towards the future where everyone's a podcaster and like right. maybe that crowds the space for me, but you could be best or you could be first. And I'm definitely right. before a lot of these people. Well, I like your attitude. I like the the I like the capitalistic point of view on this that like we're gonna fuck everyone else. We'll be okay. I like this. I mean, Ashley had a very funny thing where she had a bunch of tech people be like, your job's going first. Nobody's going to want like comedy from a human now that what we could get like, what are they going to be doing? Regurgitating memes from Facebook. We don't want boomer right. shit. There's a reason that our parents don't understand memes and we don't understand Gen Z. It's because what people want is something that no one else understands. And if what AI does is like regurgitate what's already out there, then by definition, it can't keep entertaining us. And here's Listen. what I'll say. She one time put in there, she goes, make Ashley Hamilton cry. Because famously, I made her cry on one of our podcast episodes back mm. in the day. And it refused. It said, that's rude. That's manipulative. I would have a calm conversation with Ashley if I was in a fight with her. I would never make her cry. And I'm like, see, it could never take my job. There you go. <laughs> okay, well, you've done a positive spin on my complaint. I, I appreciate that. Because it has been weighing on me. And it just seems like we're just like, we're living in a world we're going towards a world that nerds will feel more comfortable. And I like the world where they're not comfortable. And I, I just, this makes me feel better. Yeah. I like, you know, the chat GBT can't take over the coffee shop and say, Hey, how you doing, buddy? Like it, it can't Let me give ask me the you, can catch GBT say, where are you from? How long you've been dating? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I like it. So let's go to uh, Claire's complaint. Hit the music. It's the guests' turn to complain. They're ready to jump in. They've got lots of problems, too. It ain't all about Jared. Let's hear their complaint of the day. Let's hear their complaint of the day. They're invited on the show to have some fun and complain with you. Let's hear that complaint. 
Okay, go ahead. Okay, my complaint is both like a first world one and also like a legitimate one. Right now, I'm furious as hell the credit the credit bureau. Do you know about credit? I, I I'm familiar with the word credit, but what do you, what do you mean? Me and my boyfriend are trying to move, and so I had to get my credit checked for the first time in my life. And the way that it is the most opaque, backwards, bullshit situation. Right. First of all, there's like almost no way for you to know what your credit is. Did you know that? It so. Sorry, are I'll you promoted a, by Credit Karma? No, no, no. <laughs> I, actually, I, we are, and there, I realize this is bad. <laughs> there are ways that you can look for your credit score without affecting your credit score, but the fact that to find out what your credit score is actually affects your credit score is crazy, and I would yeah. encourage, uh, not to make this a plug for someone else, but like Nate, uh, Nathan McIntosh has a great special uh, on YouTube right now where he does a bit about this, and he talks about the craziness of credit scores and how to like. So you, yeah, can you, I tell them? Yeah, If you ahead. have a bank, so you could look up your credit, and everyone's like, look it up for free on Credit Karma. And I'm like, yeah, you think I'm stupid? If I literally advertise Credit Karma on my podcast. I know yeah. about Credit Karma. If you look up on Credit Karma, it will give you a score that is not necessarily the score that the bank sees. So right. what I had to do is I paid $20 to check my FICO, which shows you three scores because what Credit Karma does is it like may or may not average three scores. But on top of that, you I had to pay another $60 because that those three scores aren't even necessarily the three scores that the bank would pull because they pull different things for mortgages, for car loans, right. and for credit cards. And then it's not even clear. How, so I... My credit went down because I didn't know you had to keep it under 30%. And so my boyfriend paid off all of his credit cards so that they were at zero so that mm. his credit would go up. And it turns out that actually hurts your credit to pay them all off. And then if you leave, right. but if anything, but then if you leave a little bit on, that hurts your credit too. And then also if you have the bank check the official score, that hurts your score. So like right. all of it is, just, and then I'm like, how could it possibly be legal that I'm not allowed to know what my own credit score is without ruining my credit score and having a bank check for me? It's, it's insane. And, and, and all it makes you think is that whoever created this created it to make money for themselves, not for like the betterment. Like this is the, the whole credit score I would assume is made so banks can trust you or not trust you. That's the whole yeah. game. But it's like, so they were like, the banks were like, how do we figure out how we try? Oh, we'll give everyone a score and that'll be it. And then someone got in the middle of that process. Someone was like, what if we made it? Like someone put themselves in the middle of it years and years ago when this was first invented. And they were like, well, I have to make money off of this without having to do anything. And now that's created a whole industry of, and because th that's what bothers me the most about this is like, all of this should be simple. It should be, I know, got my score and you go, brand but new. it was only invented by Ronald Reagan. So it's new ish. So you go, yeah. someone put themselves in the middle of what could have been just a simple thing to make money for themselves to, at the detriment of everyone involved. The bank is a detriment because now we all have to pay everybody for no reason. It's and hard. then on top of it, it's like one of those things. So I have not great credit, but because I didn't get a credit card till I was 26, because mm. I was always, I'd always been told like, oh, don't get a credit card. You'll run up your credit, blah, blah, blah. So I waited until I had like a pretty reasonable salary before I even got a credit card. But so now I've only had a credit card for less than four years. So my credit isn't that good, but it's like because I was responsible. And then right. I've heard horror stories that like if you pay off your student loans, that hurts your credit because that's like now we're in hearsay land. Now we're hearing, you know, a but that is like the more <laughs> debt you have. So if you have like a car loan, a mortgage and a student loan and you're paying them off on time, you have better credit. If you pay off one of those entirely, now you have like less large credit. Like it's like it's just such a mind fuck. And it, it doesn't even right. make sense. 
it makes no sense. And the only, and when something doesn't make sense, someone's making money. That's what bothers me. And it, it, totally, I, I, I get it. So J Train Podcast. I love it. J Train Podcast at gmail.com. Let's get to the complaints. You ready? Yeah. Before we get going, you are more than just a number on the scale. Noom Weight knows that and is here to help on your weight loss journey. Noom Weight uses psychology to help you understand your eating habits and learn how to make healthier choices every day. Break the cycle and change your habits for good with Noom Weight. I love Noom Weight. I love it. I'm Because they're on the same page as me. This is a mental thing. This isn't about what you eat. It's how you're eating. It's how you're looking at food. Am I, you know, a big part of my life is when are you hungry? Are you hungry or are you not? I love that Noom Weight is attacking that mentality head on. It's not, hey, you know, have an apple a day, keep the doctor. No, 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 no. This is mind stuff because it is a mind journey and Noom Weight is going to help you through that. Noom Weight knows losing weight starts with your brain. I love that. That's why Noom Weight helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Choose your level of support from five-minute daily check-ins to personal coaching. Like, I love that Noom Weight, I, I always give this example. They were like, they'll just have one question. They'll be like, what do you think is more calories? A handful of grapes or a handful of craisins or raisins, and you go, um, gr- uh, raisins, and then you go, they go, yeah, and you have to eat more raisins because they're not as uh, there's not as much water. The grapes are going to fill you up because there's more water. And it's like little things like that. You go, oh, okay, now you have this like a switch goes off. Your perspective changes. Active first time numers lose an average of 15 pounds in 16 weeks, and 95% of customers say Noom Weight is a good long term solution. Have you ever heard 95% of people agree on any weight loss help ever? Right. No, you haven't. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom Weight's psychology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash J Train. That's N O O M.com slash J Train to sign up for your trial today. And check out Noom's first ever book, The Noom Mindset, a deep dive into the psychology of behavior change, available for pre order wherever books are sold. Get into that. Love it. Okay. So we're here with uh, at Claire the Scare, Claire Parker. Let's get to the emails. You ready? Luxury Lounge, can't print e-gift card and charge to send e-gift card. Jared, feather, feather, I ordered an e-gift card from Goldbelly for my cousin's family for Christmas, but wanted to give it to them in person. So I had the e-gift card sent to my email instead of theirs. However, when I opened the email, there wasn't a way to print the e-gift card. No barcode or access code. I emailed customer service and was told that my only option was to have the e-gift card Re, uh, resent to my cousin. I was annoyed that I couldn't hand them a physical gift, especially because I've been able to order gift cards online and print them at home and out with from other companies and restaurants. Just makes it seem a little uh, more personal to have them open something rather than click an email. I couldn't agree more. To add insult to injury, they charge ten dollars to have e-gifts cards sent. It was $20 if I wanted to have it mailed directly to their house. I just don't understand how a company could justify charging $10 for sending an email. Seems crazy to me. I guess I could have foregone the purchase, uh, foregone purchasing a gift card from this company altogether, but I had recently ordered pizzas through Gold Belly from our favorite restaurant in Chicago. We live in Pennsylvania. We love that we could get something from another city sent to us at home and thought it would make a great gift for my cousin. Thanks for listening to my luxury lounge complaint. Claire, what do you think? That is just, I mean, I guess what they're saying is the company just doesn't want to fucking send you a gift card. It's an email. Right. But I don't even understand what service they're using. That's different. Than, like, doesn't everybody use at this point the same like Squarespace, like payment, like 
what are they using that can't be printed? I do think at this point you just write a little uh, card for them and then say, I'll forge you the email. That's, but it's, you know, it, 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 I guess the complaint is satisfaction. Yeah. You know, like you just want the, you want to watch the person, you know, open the envelope. Oh my God, I love Gold Belly. Like, you know, and I guess what these people are trying to avoid is choosing the restaurant for their friend. Because okay. I, if they chose the restaurant, then they would get the food and they would open it up. Oh, my God. Because I've sent Gold Belly stuff before. And when people get it, they're like, they it, it is done well. I, I, I've, I've, I've gotten good reviews from the people I've sent it to. Like I had a friend who had a death in the family, sent them Gold Belly from like I think Katz's Deli. And it was like, you know, they sent me the pictures. And I was like, you know, and I got the pictures and I got to see like I felt good. Mm-hmm. Like seeing the picture on the desk. When you, I think giving a gift card just in general is the dumbest thing. Like I just don't like it as a gift. It never gets used. I don't like giving it. I sometimes I, I don't mind receiving one, but then it ends up in my wallet behind like seven other gift cards that I'm never going to use. We went, my dad's birthday was a couple weeks ago. So we're like, let's pick him up something fun from a golf shop. We go into the golf shop and I said to the guy, I was like, hey, you got like fun stuff for someone who like loves golf, something that, you know, no one would ever think of. And he just goes, we got gift cards. I was like, get out of here. Just get out of here. I went on time, went on a uh, vacation with my ex-boyfriend's family, like a very fancy vacation with my ex-boyfriend's family. And it was over Christmas. So I wanted to get everyone Mm. in his family a gift, obviously. And I remember asking my boyfriend, like, what should I get your dad? And he goes, well, he loves Starbucks. Maybe get him a Starbucks gift card. I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm getting your dad a Starbucks gift card when he's, like, paid for me to go on this. Especially, I feel like there's a real directional thing where unless it's something very specific, like art supplies or something that they'll use, if somebody has more money than you to give them a gift card is weird because it's, like, giving them cash that they don't. Like, if you can't, if you're not going to give them more money than would be helpful to them, you should just give them something thoughtful. And I really do believe that. (laughs) I, I'm with you. Giving a gift card kind of feels like you're just throwing money at someone as they're leaving your house. Like, here you go. Here's your money. You know, like it, it feels very I mean, just I've cheap. done it. I've done it. Like I got, I got honestly my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, I didn't know what to get them. So I got them like a spa day. But if spa I, day, I feel like is the one exception. Like spa day, because they're going to go to that and have the day because of you. Like I, I, that I, not all gift cards are the same. Like that yeah. isn't even a gift card to me because you can't give someone the nail person. I'm not going to yeah. give them a massage. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh, my Christmas morning, like here I come. Yeah, this is Fingers one spindling. coupon to my massage, you know, to your mother-in-law. <laughs> JTrainPodcast at gmail.com. JTrainPodcast at gmail.com. Here with Claire. Claire Parker at Claire the Scare. Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Go, 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 go. Listen, Luxury Lounge. I make too much money and don't do enough work. Jared, here's my extremely unrelatable issue. Last year, I was hired by a major company for a full-time role in my dream department. Due to some HR hiccups and various changes to my life as an employee, it's been several months and they still haven't given me any work. Several months! I've essentially been getting paid way too much money per day to do absolutely nothing while they iron out some details on their end. I've been picking up freelance work at other companies to fill the time and keep my brain sharp, but no one wants to give me any full-time work because they don't want to give uh, go up against the massive corporation that currently employs me. I now have more money than I know what to do with, and it doesn't feel earned. On top of that, I can't really commit to long-term projects outside of my company because they can technically hit me with a big project on a, lo- on a moment's notice. 
This feels like winning the lottery with a side order of sadness and emptiness. Yours truly wealthy yet worthless. P.S. When I was describing my issue to my husband, he suggested sending it to, and I quote, the complain train. So there's an alternate podcast name if you ever need it. Well, welcome aboard the complain train. Choo-choo, motherfucker. I'm, I am happy for this person. What do you think? I, okay, I'm happy. I mean, what a great problem to have. But I was right. in a not a super similar situation, but I do understand that feeling of being somewhere all day and having your time be kind of owned by someone else and feel like you're just right. atrophying mentally. When I quit my job, my full-time job, 2021, to do the podcast, it's not because the podcast was making more money, but it's because I was a receptionist. Mm. It was the pandemic. They made me go back to my desk June 2020. So like nobody else was in Whoa. any office in America and I was sitting there manning the door and I and my big thing was I booked travel for all the guys and stuff and obviously there was no travel and it really was like I got to the point where I had to quit because I was like if I don't quit I'm going to bash my head against my desk so hard that I'll bleed out and die. But it's <laughs> like there is something so weirdly like the island of lotus, the golden handcuffs of like you still need a purpose every day. You want to wake up and do something. There is nothing worse than sitting at a desk for eight hours, just like waiting to die. And I know it right. sounds like the dumb, like you're so lucky you don't have to do anything, but when you still have to be somewhere, like when you can't move on, there is right. a part of you that like itches to exist. Right. Owning your time. That is the biggest part. Holding or having to wake up at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m., whatever the time is to be somewhere, having to be somewhere. I mean, it's even a, like, for this, like if somebody tomorrow said, however much you make doing this podcast, I'll give you double the never make a podcast again. There's like, you're like, maybe you would take it, but there's be that other part where you'd wake up every day and be like, okay, well, what the fuck do I do now? Like, right. What's, how do I fill my day? How do I feel worth, you know, what, you know, what do they say? Uh, you know, idle hands or the devil's playground. Yeah. Like they, they, if I was this person, I guess, uh, what could they do? Like, what is you know, I guess I'm like, get a bunch of movies, get up on every TV show. But even that would feel like, I don't want to sit at a desk and watch a movie. It's the amount of time. Do you ever have that where you take have a cold or something? So you take like a week off stand up to get over the flu. And you're just like, whoa, you actually can catch up on TV pretty quick. You can watch like, right. <laughs> when you're watching TV eight hours a day, you do run out of TV in a week or so. And right. I don't know, I guess you just have to like figure out a way to fill the time because it won't last forever. And that's the thing you always have to remember about every phase of your life, good right. or bad. It won't last forever. So how do you make the most of it? Because this time next year, you're probably going to be like underwater with work that you're like, I need a break. I can't take a break. So whatever this you can why, do. This is why I got into the Wordle. Like this is like yeah. I was I was uh, I vacationed in Fra. I was in Nice and I'm sitting there. It's like 6 a.m. I'm like not on the same schedule as America. I was like. Let me play some games. Let me do some mind games. And I like started doing the crossword and the wordle. And I was like, I just need something that like makes it so I'm not just staring at Instagram scrolling while, while my brain melts. Jtrainpodcast yeah. at gmail.com. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. One more sponsor, people. Ladies, want to smell better naked? Lumi whole body deodorant gives you a great smell for pits, privates, and beyond. Created by an OBGYN who saw too many women being overtreated with antibiotics they didn't need. She discovered the vagina is not to blame for odor below the belt. External odor needed an external solution, so she created Lumi. I love this. It's clinically proven to block odor all day and controls odor for 72 hours and pH optimizes to safely protect our pH and control odor. I will say this. 
I have been using Lumi. Not, you know, I, I have the deodorant. And it is a coconut candy flavored deodorant. It smells, I'm, I'm wearing it right now. It is, smells so good that I want to eat it. Like it, it is a, it, it, and it smell, and it, I can feel, I feel better from it. And you can build custom bundles of their best selling products and customize your scents with Lumi's starter pack. It comes with a full size stick of deodorant, a cream deodorant tube, and two free products of your choice. Made with the most sensitive parts of the body in mind, use Lumi products on your pits, under boobs, butt cracks, vulvas, and feet. The sticks go on just like regular deodorant. They work on private parts, too. With over 150,000 five-star reviews, we're so confident you'll love Lumi. Get over 40% off your starter pack bundle with code JTRAIN at LumiDeodorant.com. That's code JTRAIN at LumiDeodorant.com to save big. Smell better naked with Lumi. Love that. Here with Claire Parker at Claire the Scare. Luxury Lounge, unsolicited invitations. I, like most normal people, have entered 2023 feeling fat, exhausted, and with a social battery in the negatives. All I want to do in January is work out, sleep, and drink water. I don't want to see anyone drink anything or leave my house. If this is wrong, I frankly don't want to be right. So with this mindset, why the fuck am I finding myself having to find polite and creative declines to repeat offenders trying to initiate hangouts? For example... My former coworker have tried to schedule a happy hour and or dinner multiple times between Christmas and the second week of January. No, these people I like the pe- these are people I like to see maybe two times a year. Certainly not in January when I'm burnt out and trying to avoid humanity. I have declined the invitation to socialize and drinking two times. They keep coming up with new dates and persistently follow through with inviting me. I'm absolutely exhausted. How do I say no? I just don't want to hang out with you for at least forty five days. I'm at my wit's end. Would love any feedback and input on how to shut this down effectively without inviting, uh, without in the invite pushing. Holy hell, thank you, antisocial as fuck. What do you think, Claire Parker? I think you have to give a date that works for you and be like, hey, I think it's like they keep being like, oh, okay, well, what about next week? Well, what about next week? Stop letting them control the invite situation and be like, oh, right. I'm slammed this winter. It's just really dark. And I'm having a hard time. Let's do, let's like plan something first weekend of March. Let's plan something. Right. I'm like, even like, you know what I mean? We all sometimes you're like, you know what? I have a crazy couple of weeks at work and um, blah, blah, blah. I'm free at the end of February. It seems counterintuitive to get specific, but it will help you. What do you get specific about? I agree with you. I, I, I'm, I'm fully on board. Hey, January is a mess. So start with specific January ain't my month. Say no to January. So you start with no to January. Let's get on the phone February 15th to discuss when we can get together after that. So now you've gotten specifics and you've been vague and specific, which is wonderful. January gone. Here's the date that we're going to reconvene when we can discuss a maybe plan. Yeah. Now you got time. And now your social battery is charged up mid-February, like right around this time of year. Like it was the, the weather's been nice in New York. It's been a little bit warmer. I'm I feeling it out of a cocoon. The way that I was so fucking depressed in January, like I've never been right. depressed before. And then it really is. I'm like, wow, everything, my chemicals in my brain have changed. I'm like, I'm going to be different forever. And then it's 60 degrees once. And I'm like, oh, 
I'm over it. <laughs> right. I'm we're okay. we're back, back, baby. Yeah. And, and, and right now is the time of year you're going, when is the when is St. Patrick's Day? Yeah. What, what are we doing this summer? You start to come out of, as you said, the cocoon. You're coming out of the hibernation. So let's 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 designate this mid-February time as the 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 positive outlook for our plans for the spring. This is when you start making plans. So I agree with this person. January, shut it down. Like if someone says to me, let's get drinks on Tuesday. I'm like, Tuesday? I'm gonna be drinking like a pig all weekend. I need my I need to get back to normal by Thursday. Like I can't do it. Like when someone says get lunch, get out of my face. I'm not eating middle of the day like an animal. I don't need three meals. I wake up at 11. I have a protein bar so I can feel like I ate like shit the night before because I got drunk the night before. Like all these people with plans live normally usually and they have like a good grasp on reality and then they take you whose life is a little out of control and they make it even worse. So we need to like protect ourselves. Hey, January's a mess. Well, let's 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 continue the conversation February 17th as we tape it today. Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. Here with Claire Parker, co-host of Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Go follow, go watch, go listen. Luxury Lounge, wind chimes. Dear Jared, Shelby, and guests, it's 5, 10 a.m., and 45 minutes ago, I woke up again to the irritating sound of my neighbor's wind chimes. I don't even know why a wind chime exists. Right? Um, you know, I don't hate a wind chime, but I feel like if I'm in control. I, I mean, they're uncontrollable. Yeah, but if, if if I've determined, if I've decided that this is if a it's wind your chime wind space, chime, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I live in a high end apartment building. I don't think wind chimes should be allowed in apartment buildings. And my unit faces a beautiful courtyard with a large fire pit and tons of lounge areas. <laughs> as well as a nice grill and large dining tables. This courtyard is used year-round at all hours of the day and night, and people frequently get loud and boisterous. To make matters worse, the noise is like an echo chamber since the surrounding building is quite high. However, by living in this particular unit, I've accepted that I have to deal with certain noises. But it seems to me that the wind chimes are just a step too far. This isn't the first time those wind chimes have woken me up. Upon waking up this morning, I had the overwhelming urge to go outside and rip off uh, her patio very plausible since we live on the first floor or complain to management i've also thought about leaving my neighbor one of those anonymous neighbor notes since i'm totally non-confrontational and i don't want to come across as a narcissistic monster i figure my best option is to complain in the lounge thanks to you and shelby for providing the safe space as an outlet for frustration sincerely a mad misophonic I don't know, misophonic? Oh, yeah, it's like when you have a hearing. Like, I've heard it used when you hate the sound of people chewing. Like, uh, Okay. What do you think of this? So you're on the, I I, I think, you know, they got to say something. I agree it, that they have every right. If there's a sound that's waking you up, you're allowed to be like, hey, could you just not? And then, like, I guess they have every right to say, no, it's my property, it's my sound space. But right. I, I, I think there's no harm in being like, hey, this sound is waking me up. I have somebody outside of my apartment who has it's like a radar sound i can't even explain it. it sounds like sonar that you would use to find dolphins or something and it goes okay. off every morning at like nine for an hour somebody right. lets their alarm for an hour every day and it's so fucking annoying that i'm about to lose my mind but i live on a busy street in new york city and i'm just like well that's well, that's activity. that's the thing is like this person has come to terms with 
I live in this one spot that has a social gathering space. Yeah. And you do the thing where you go, social gathering space, I get it. This is comes with the cost of admission, so to speak. I live on a on a not busy street. My window faces the street, but that's where they put all the garbage. Oh. So every Tuesday, I have to deal with there's going to be a truck that is humming. Humming outside. Like it is it is loud and it is going to take a while. And I'm like, "Fine. That's the cost of doing business in New York City." But if then if someone was like, "And let's put a wind chime out there." I'd be like, why are we doing things we didn't need to do? Why are we doing the extra work here to make, you know, in what world is this adding to the benefit? Like, in what world was that person who also lives, like, I actually hate the neighbor more because the more I think about it, it's oh, like- Oh, I agree with, no, no, no. I think the listener is well within her right to go over there and be like, hey, this is actually like affecting my quality of life. Right. Worse than it could possibly be making your quality of life good i have a neighbor right. in our studio where we record our podcast who insists on listening to like blaring music and whenever we don't even ask her to turn it off we just ask her to turn it down and she like yeah. refuses and so i'm like okay so you think that it's fair for not just for you get to live your life in a way that makes what we do untenable that's crazy. right and and it becomes this like ego thing they don't want no one there are people that are just like they can't be told what to do no matter what you tell them to do. No matter how fair or even-handed or reasonable you're being, they just, you told me what to do, I shall not do it. But I so, do think you're better off being starting out human and being nice because I think like an right. anonymous note is easier to get mad at than somebody who's just like, hey, I'm so sorry. Do you think there's any way we could even, like an offer, like maybe you can move it to a different spot just because it like wakes me up and I've been having a hard time sleeping. Right. Blah, blah, blah. We already have and this thing. If they say no, then you get a bigger wind chime. We get the biggest one you've ever fucking seen. And we start playing that. Right. And, and we put it. we attach the wind chime to a subwoofer and we put it through, we aim it at their apartment. And then we go wild. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. Netflix ripoff shows. Jared, love the pod. Watching Netflix right now instead of working and wanted to share a complaint about streaming services and the stupid shows they keep churning out. Maybe this sounds weird, but there's simply too much recycled content these days. I was just scrolling and found a show called Buying Beverly Hills, and the tagline literally says, like selling sunset. I don't want your bullshit ripoff. I want more episodes of the real thing or something entirely new. Feels like there are three kinds of shows right now. Reality homes, reality dating, reality food competitions. Please come up with something new to excite me. Thanks for listening. What do we think? Uh, I would love to come up with something for you. Right. Specifically right. for you to watch on TV. And if they would let me, I would. <laughs> well, that this is the, we live in a algorithm world. And, and it's funny, like this person's on Netflix and they're like, there's only three types of TV. No, 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 no. There are three types that you get served. Your front page of Netflix is different than my front page of Netflix. If you're someone who watches uh, Selling Sunset, they're like, I got to keep them on the line. And it's easier to keep it is easier to know what you'll watch if it's related to something you've already watched. And it's why TikTok, it's why that there's it's why you follow someone on TikTok that does the same bit every day. And sometimes like I, I do like some TikTok accounts. It makes sense to do the same thing every day. It makes sense if you have a, a, a if you have a like if someone puts up stand up every day, that is the same thing every day. But the jokes are different. You can refill it. So it actually makes some sense. But there are some people on TikTok that are like, 
I make this one joke, it pops off, I will never stop making that joke the rest of my life. And you start going, wow, these algorithms kind of own us. And I think this is more what this person's talking about. Like this, this person is saying, there's only three shows. I can find you, like, yeah. I can find you the, the murder mysteries. Some people are going, there's only murder mysteries on Netflix. There's other people going, there's only stand-up specials on Netflix. And it's like, no, they're basically, we... We are a my, generation. My parents only watch like these BBC dramas from England right. where like every single show is about like detectives finding somebody that molested a child and they right. all have never had braces. Like every show is the same. But, you know, that's not on this girl's Netflix page. Right. And, and it's somewhat our fault. We are obsessed with efficiency. Like yeah. we, we love an Uber that shows up the minute we want to leave. We love going on Google Maps and making sure we walk the least amount of steps. I mean, the you amount know, of people who are like, oh, workers should get living wages. But if I don't get the thing I ordered from Amazon right, right now, now is right. Like, but what do you mean it'll take two days to deliver me an exact kind of eye cream that I found in China? Right. No. <laughs> and it's hilarious because, Claire, you, you said in the beginning, you go, I'd love to make something new that you'd watch. And it's like us on the creator side of things, when we're like pitching a TV show, they say to you, well, if you do something different, it's almost at your detriment. They'll go that, well, that's not big enough. I don't see that being a huge thing because they don't see it happening today. So even the people who are trying to create new and original things are being told, no, 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 we don't do that yet. And it's like, well, then when does that begin? And it begins, I guess, on TikTok and you and you, and you have to find. But then if your TikTok is set up to, you know, if, if my TikTok yeah. is set up to comedy and I go, well, I have this dramatic idea, I'll put it on my TikTok. It'll never get seen because my audience is set up for a certain algorithm. But dude, can I say this brings us back to the chat GBT. She's getting chat GBT content. She is getting right. content based right. on the old content that works. Right. This and is a positive thing. It like. People, listen, the idiot industry, they don't want to take a risk. They'd rather make $1 than risk losing $2 to make $100. So they don't care. But the human beings who are watching the content, they do crave like something fucking new. Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. Luxury Lounge, no tip restos. I'm in Toronto and there's no longer a lower minimum wage for jobs that expect tips. Seems like more and more restos say they are non-tipping fine, but the execution is the problem. One place told me when I got the bill, the server says point blank, we do not accept tips. Great. Prices were a little higher and that's fine with me. A second place waits waits until they bring you the bill then the server who was excellent gives us the spiel about we are paid a higher wage we do not expect any tips it's totally okay but he's holding the fucking machine and looking at you like so should i just put a zero on here zero dollars for me then you're used to tipping so you tip any any fucking way fuck that place it was tasty though what do you think this is interesting I mean, I get it, but I do think it's one of those things where our, I know we're supposed to probably take their side, but I think our little bit of discomfort in the transition is better for them ultimately, because I do think like tipping culture fucks over the workers. So mm. it's, well, right? they're saying, I, but, yeah, but, but they're, they're saying so they're at a restaurant where they're getting explained to them that there's no tipping. Yeah. And then they're they, going, and do you want to do additional tip? And it's like, well, uh, what, you know, I, I, there's not a lot of transparency there. Is the problem because you go, we're a no tipping restaurant, but if you want, and then you go, well, 
now I've lost control. What do people do? What is, you know, what is the, you know, what is the thing that is the both polite and, you know, like, and I think that's the unfair part because, you know, I do think that there is a form of advantage taken in on your guilty and send you know on your guilt and your sensitivities because everyone wants to do the right thing i i do believe that most people want to do the right thing they want to if if they want to go to the restaurant they want the server people want the server to like them like i you know, my dad is the king of this my dad will clear the table my dad loves saying like, wait till the server sees how quick we ate. As if the server's going to the back going, you won't believe these people. They eat everything off their plates. They're unbelievable. They cleaned up the table. He wants that more than anything. So I do think that is a human thing. And this person yeah. is going to the restaurant. They're going no tipping while holding out a, a line that says, but if you, you know, if, you, if you're feeling it, I would rather know. I yeah. like when the restaurant goes, we do 18%. Like, I want them to tell me what the percentage is, okay? If you'd like to add to 18%, you can now add on to that percentage. Like, I would like, like, I want transparency. Let us all, again, this goes back to our need for efficiency, don't you think? Yeah. Like, I, I like if, so, if they said we do 20% and you can go up from there. You know what? I wouldn't say it's efficiency. I would say it's like our want to be good. Do you know what I mean? You don't care. Right. What's efficient is not tipping at all. You say, yes, I paid what I knew I'd pay you and you leave. But what this is, is you don't want to have to feel guilty like you did the wrong thing. I mean, I I was was pissed when Uber and Lyft started introducing tips again, because one of the things I loved about Uber and Lyft when they first came out is that it was an all-inclusive price. And I was like, thank God, I'm so fucking tired of having the onus on me to be to pay this guy's rent like well to go back to efficiency it's efficiency of feelings like you you don't have that moment of like am i doing the wrong thing yeah right and you go so i i because i go to a place that you know they they it says there's a place my parents go to there's a beach they go to and you if you order stuff at the beach it'll say additional tip so okay that's cluing me into what the tip is i also don't know what the tip is i would rather say it say we have done the pleasure of doing 20%. We believe everyone who works here is deserving of 20%. We wouldn't hire them. We would fire them if they weren't doing 20% tip-worthy work. If you think that this person is done above 20%, throw it on that line. But that should be done with the book, privately, slide it over, give me a moment, let me read through this, and it should be in big letters. It shouldn't be hard to find. Yeah, because I've been at hotels where they'll like add the gratuity and then still leave you a spot. So now you're like twenty percent on top, and you're like, oh, well, I wouldn't have tipped them fucking forty percent. That feels crazy. But I do think that it is kind of a culture thing. You know, when you go to Europe and they bring they bring it to your table, that is just like they think it's crazy when they come to the U.S. and we take your credit card to like a secret shelf. They're like, why would I ever (laughs) let a stranger walk away with my credit card? And I remember the first time I found that out, I worked at a mostly tourist restaurant in New York. And yeah. I would have these like old Swedish men follow me back to the POS station or whatever. I'd be like, get out of here. And they'd be like, <laughs> you have my finances in your hands. I'm not going to let a 19-year-old girl walk off with my credit right. card. I'm like, well, actually, that makes sense to me. So I do think like part of the problem is when they're like, st- when they like turn the little thing around and stare at you and you're just like, okay, well, if you're like looking into my soul, right. I feel like you just got to go and ready to like be like, if I'll tip 20 if there's no tip. I'll tip zero if they say they don't accept. And if not, you leave like 5 to $10. I feel like that. You know what I mean? You live like a little. Well, a that's the thing. You have to like go in knowing this is what Get I do. Plan, yeah. This is what I do. This is what I do 
you know, across the board. Podcast at gmail.com, Podcast at gmail.com. Claire Parker, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. So much fun. Everyone go follow Claire at Claire the Scare. The podcast is called Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Go follow. Go listen. Go listen to the Matthew Perry episode. That sounds very interesting. I'm Jared Freed. We're here every Thursday in the lounge. Keep sending your emails. We're back next week. Boom.